Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sorry. <laughs> Yesterday, people online yeah. have been made fun of because they went to this film thinking that it was a biopic. Mm-hmm. Were you part of these, this group who thought that? Yeah. Oh no. I I didn't I <laughs> Okay. Here's here's what happened. I saw someone tweet on Twitter about how with the name Lydia Tarr mm. being like, I need a new assistant. And everyone being like, oh, that's so funny. And I didn't do my due diligence and I just scrolled past not thinking about it. And then I watched this and I was like, that's effed up that she's like making a joke about that if she like sexually mm. harassed and abused and was so awful. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, no, she's not at all a real person. <laughs> well, my thing was that when I first heard about the film back like – you know, a year or so ago, where it's like, and Kate Blanchett starring in a new film where she plays the world famous conductor Lydia Tarr. I yes. was like, well, I had no idea about world famous conductor. Maybe she, there is someone called Lydia Tarr. I don't know. Exactly. I think it was sort of like framed as that in all its marketing. And also, we're not across musical composers. No. We don't know. But then, as I heard more about the film, I was like, oh, okay, very clearly is not. But then. Yes. The film itself almost treats it as if it is a biopic in some ways. So, yes, it yeah. does. Anyway, let's get to it. Mm-hmm. Cue theme song. And the theme song's over. Hello, my name's Lonnie. <laughs> and her name is Sine. Bit of musical things going on. The thing is, I don't think the theme song plays and finishes in the beginning. I think it might still be playing now under what we're saying. Oh. Just quieter. Oh no! Well, yeah, I'm, fade, fade I'm editing out. this so I can make sure it all goes the right. That's I'm in charge it... of this. I'm composing <laughs> this podcast. That's not how it works. That's not how it. We're changing the whole system. Well, you can say it's ending and then it just finishes as we're ending. Oh my god! Okay. How are you? <laughs> annoyed. Why are you annoyed, Sunday? Because I've seen a string of really bad movies, and I'm annoyed at that. Who would have thought I'd the like... menu would be our, our best at a last little run, hey? I know. The menu and Banshees, other than that, there's nothing out there for me at the moment. I'm really struggling. <laughs> yes, it is tough. You didn't like Tar, hey? Did you like Tar? I have enjoyed reading about Tar and talking about it, and I feel <laughs> like a lot of critics are also enjoying that. But the yes. experience of watching Tar was kind of not fun. It did the worst thing a film can do, Lonnie. What's that, Sinead? Be boring. Be boring. It was boring for you, really. It wasn't boring for you. It was long. With a 20-minute opening title sequence with nothing going on, not boring for you. I saw an interview with Aubrey Plaza, actually. She was recommending it to Drew Barrymore. And she's like, I love opening title sequences because they can set the mood, like get mm. you into the vibe. 
And she's like, but Tar takes it to the extreme. And I was like, yeah, it does. <laughs> well, I watched the film with a friend of mine, Lisa, and um, she like invited me out. She's like, oh, I want to go see this, Kate Blanchett and stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, I need to see it for the pod and slash, you know, the culture mm-hmm. and whatever. And then film ends, she turns to me and she's like, sorry about that one. <laughs> I love Lisa. She's amazing. <laughs> I haven't even met Lisa. But I love her in my heart, you know? <laughs> cool. I feel like we get along. I reckon you would. Um, but, you know, I need to apologise because, you know, I, I wanted to see the film anyway. And I'm glad I've, I've seen it. And I, I think, really, it's the the context and the discussion, the discourse around the film is much more interesting. The film itself, I found it a bit repetitive. I found... Like, I got it. I got the point after a while, but the film kept going. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. It sort of ended and then it kept going a bit longer, but I didn't mind the punchline for the end, the five very final sequences. But um, and Kate, obviously, you know, the best actor of, of our times, but... No, she's not, my baby. Who's the best actor of our times? Well, is this... Can I pick any actor from, like, the age of two months old to 97? Or like what? Or like the, what's the, the parameters here? Currently, working. Well, well, Meryl, you can't really. Mm, okay. You can't really go past Meryl. I guess if you wanted to count like our times, meaning our lifetime, Philip Seymour Hoffman was around. Well, so, yes. Yeah. Exactly. I don't she's think up, she's up there, right? Don't. Well, you know, she's up there. So. <sighs> yeah. Is she? Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel like the film. It's described here in Wikipedia as a psychological thriller or drama. Um, and I guess it does get into the psychology of the characters a little bit, but I feel like if you cut away like, I don't know, half an hour or so, maybe even more than that, you could have got a really tight, thrilling uh, film, but I think it just dragged on a bit too long for me at times. That said, the themes, the the what we, what we're trying to explore and examine in the film, I, I didn't... I thought it was quite interesting, but I think that's more like in in hindsight. You're like, let's talk about maybe hard to watch. What about you saying? Why don't you talk for a bit? <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, I feel like the trailer promised me a completely different film to the mm, film I ended up getting. Right. I feel like the trailer was like, Oh, she's like losing her mind and she's hearing voices and someone's following her when she's running. What's going on? You know, she wants to conduct all these things and can she be brilliant? And that's not what I got though. I got her with a deep American accent because that's the only version of an American accent she can do when she has a really deep voice and nothingness. I felt the whole film was interest was hinting at a more interesting story, which mm. is the story of the um, musician who used to be, you know, under her wing, having an affair with her, who she spat out and chewed up in order to save her own career. Mm. I want that story. That's what I want. That's the more interesting thing here. Yeah, that that's the kind of hidden centre of the film, which we don't ever really see, but I feel like... As you've been saying, they're kind of hiding the most interesting part of the story, mm. which is a bit of a shame. Um, I... <laughs> Stuff what <laughs> Sorry. The... I just, yeah, really didn't like it, but yeah. The opening went forever, didn't it? The interview she's having on stage oh. with the New Yorker guy. 
Yeah, again, that went on too long for me. And it sort of becomes like it's like an interesting sort of, you know, we're putting on a show, here's the backstage drama, we've got to do rehearsals and get the team, we've got to conduct people, and we've got to interview people and have rehearsals and in, in, um, auditions and stuff. And that, that was all interesting for me to mm. a certain extent. Um, but then I'm going to draw a comparison to a film which might surprise you, Sine. Okay. Don't Worry Darling from last year. Yeah. How there are some psychological elements that sort of amount to nothing, just like a few random mm-hmm. scenes where things are weird that yeah, never get addressed never follow again. Through, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that film, she's like, oh, the eggs don't have anything inside of them, that sort of thing. In this film, there's a couple scenes where she's like running through the the, the city or the town, and then she hears someone screaming in the background, and she like looks around and yeah. tries to find him, and then it's like, oh, that's just forgotten about. Not, it doesn't really keep adding attention. Adding to the attention, no. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like that with the metronome too. She mm. keeps waking up to the metronome ticking. We never get an answer as to why the metronome's ticking. Yeah, like, I mean, in and of themselves, they were, you can kind of like, she's losing her mind or whatever, or she's the guilt, right? Like, that's the sure. metronome, that's, that's what's going yes. on there. But I, I feel like in some films, and as someone who, you know, is trying to be getting this industry but isn't particularly successful so far, I don't know how you do this better, but it feels like the tension mounts and mounts and until it's it just bursts, right? In this film, it felt like they were a bit disconnected and it was just like, there's a scene where something intense happens. Okay, the next scene, she's just doing a rehearsal at, at the yeah. um, academy or whatever. Like, oh, okay, back to normal. You know what I mean? Like, it, it didn't, didn't keep um, ratcheting up. Yeah, I agree. I just... I just felt like I didn't get it. I just felt like I didn't get it. I felt like we were meandering. Mm. And a lot of the, you know, articles I've read since have helped clarify things. But if I didn't pick up on those things in the moment during my experience of watching the film, then I don't think the film has done its job of making its point. Mm. And I, I don't I don't mind reading about a film after to help, you know, mm. broaden my reading of it. But I don't think I should have to research to understand what the F happened in the film. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like there's this, so there's this, this looming um, ex-student of hers, right? And there's, I did notice the first time there was a woman in the back of the shot in her house watching her. But that, again, points to your thing of, okay, so we're never going to talk about that. So was she imagining that someone was there? She never acknowledged that someone was there. Is that just for us to be like, oh, she's haunted by the ghost of her past sort of thing? Like, was she actually there? Was she actually stalking mm. her and then committed suicide? Well, or, yeah. or what? If, if there are lots of scenes where we're supposed to pick up that someone's in the background watching her. Yeah. You, know, you kind of, I mean, maybe we're bad audience members, but like, <laughs> and we're dumb when we need to be spring fit everything. But, like, isn't Maybe. the point you notice that she's being haunted rather than having to watch, read an article and be like, oh, by the way, there was a scene where this figure in the background was haunting her. I'm like, oh, okay, that would have been creepy to know in the in the film. But, okay, so she doesn't acknowledge it, fine. Hmm. Then the camera also doesn't linger on the person in the background, right? Yeah, so why is it there? So why it doesn't bother? address it. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And I feel like that's the case for all of this. Like, there's something... Obviously, time is like a huge thing in this film. She talks a lot about how her right hand keeps time when she's conducting. Mm. Um, And she gets her right shoulder hurt. Is that correct? Like she 
she falls. She has the accident, yeah. Yeah, and her right shoulder hurts, and that's supposed to be, again, the ghost of time catching up with her because it's affecting that hand that mm. controls time. And I, what are we doing? What are we doing? I mean, you know, metaphors are cool and stuff, though, right? Like, yeah, metaphors are cool and stuff. I just, the whole film can't be metaphors. Something needs to happen, actually. Stronger. Like, there's that whole sequence where she's running through the basement of these, like, little um, tunnels to try and return this stuffed animal to Olga, her her newest um, crush. And she sees the black dog, right, which could be the black dog of death, black dog of depression, could be whatever. Could be serious black. We never know. (laughs) Could be. Crossover we didn't know we needed. (laughs) But then... I don't understand what that sequence was about where she kept hearing the voices in these tunnels. I don't understand. Mm. Well, that's where people have been saying that the film sort of drifts into a dream sequence or a nightmare sequence where potentially she does have some sort of breakdown or her grip on reality is fractured when she descends into this you know, hell or to wherever she's going into. Because that's where she, when she's trying to come out of it, she falls over and hits her head quite badly. Did she die then? And the rest of the film is, is you know, her her dying and her brain. God, that is such something. an absolute cop-out <laughs> if that's what happened. No, no, I don't think it is. And I, th- I think people have been making fun of that theory about, oh, it's all the dream, the end thing, right? Yeah. I feel like, I don't know if this really film is saying, oh, you know, and by the way, she wakes up the next morning and it turns out she's just... A normal person who's had a, this weird dream about her life. I don't think that's saying that. But I do think there is an element of, like, her grip on reality is slipping and has perhaps slipped away towards the end of the film because it, maybe it's like her confronting her guilt about all the terrible things she's done and it's all caught up to her. And so yeah. because then everything turns out is, like, the worst thing that could ever happen to her happens because she loses her, her gig. She's replaced by Mark Strong's character who, like, isn't even a real conductor. Like, why the hell is he there, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that doesn't seem right. And also the fact that she's, well, by the way, she's able to go behind to the stage and then rush the stage. Like, but hasn't she been sacked by this place or at least has been, like, barred from being there but no one really notices she's there? Like, that doesn't yeah. seem quite real. And then the fact that she's, you know, ends up conducting a video game music orchestra thing that's like mm. a final indignity. Perhaps that is maybe, you know, her nightmares coming to fruition. But then I'm like, I'm not sure if the filmmakers are aware, like, is this all real or is this fake? Or are they just saying, oh, it's up to you to decide. Do they know? Yeah, well, that's the whole thing, right, is that you as the writer need to know what the answer is regardless of mm. how you present it to the, the audience. I mean, that's all great, what you said, and I'm sure that can be a reading of the film. But I don't know if that stuff was in the film, you yeah. know. Well, that's I feel like we're trying at. to have to, yeah, retroactively figure out what the hell it was trying to say in order to understand yeah. what we just saw. And that's why I think it's a great film to talk about and critics are loving it, but yeah. it's yeah. Um, the experience of itself. Maybe not as hot. Um, we should talk about the, the cancel culture scene in particular and also the, I guess the wider themes of that in yes. the film. Seeing it in the classroom today, she's given like a master class at Juilliard or whatever. What, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Went for forever. <laughs> One long take, yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. I just I thought a bunch of that stuff was handled a bit clumsily, to be honest. Mm. Um, I didn't feel that it was. Uh, I don't know. It's tough because her point was like, oh, this clip that went viral has been so heavily edited and it's taken her words out of context, which, yeah, it did in a way. But she's also a horrible person who does believe those things. So I didn't really, again, understand what point the movie was trying to make. I think what I'm saying is I'm really dumb and I didn't get this movie. And it's because I didn't get this movie and it made me feel dumb I didn't like it. I think that's my big insight. (laughs) Your words not mine, okay? No. No, it's okay. Well, it, this it's not. It can be not getting it, but it, it could also be there's some sort of disconnection there where you didn't it didn't grab you or, or it didn't fully um, exploit what it was going for, and so then that that has had a the impact is lessened for you. Yeah. Yeah. How did you feel watching it? Do you were you like trying to resolve this mystery? Were you just seeing it unfold? Like, what were you feeling when you were watching it? Well, I was feeling like it was, it was too long and there were too many repetitive scenes of her getting up in the middle of the night and finding something weird in the house. Like, I got mm-hmm. it after one or two. I didn't need three or four, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I, was, I was just wishing it was a little bit tighter because the film, I think it had some interesting things to say and where it got to in the end was like her final indignity or whatever. That was, that was cool. But it took too long to get there and that lessened my enjoyment of the film. Yeah. I think for me, it's not only that it took too long to get there, it's that we took the most winding, indirect route to get there, perhaps. Like, mm-hmm. not even time-wise, but in terms of, like, narrative sense. Again, I didn't know where we were headed. For me, the stuff with the other student, that needs to be brought way forward into into the spotlight. Like, mm-hmm. isn't that what the film is about? That she has these relationships with these young musicians and takes advantage of them and, you know, manipulates them by promising them rises in their career if only they, you know, suck up to her or whatever. For me, that's the movie I wanted to see, that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem like that's the movie that this well, is. That's where they ultimately got to. So when she's um, in the Philippines or that unnamed Asian country, which seems to be the Philippines at the end, she asks the hotel for recommendation for a massage yes. and she ends up at a brothel. Yeah. And she's confronted with the fact that she's presented with the room full of women and yeah. she can just pick whoever she wants. That That's what she's – she realises that's been her whole life, right? Her whole professional career, she's been doing that. And that's why she vomits afterwards, right? She's really – Yeah, and I'm pretty sure there was significance about the – the girl who looks up at her is number five as well. And that's the fifth orchestra thing that she hasn't been able to ever finish. Yes. The fifth, um, yeah, of that particular composer. And also where that person is sitting or they're arranged like a orchestra and she's sitting mm-hmm. in the place of the, of her most recent, um, crush, <laughs> to put it mildly. Yeah. So that, that, I think that that's where the film's ending up, but you're right. Then why not have the, that storyline, which is sort of playing in the background, bring it to the forefront, right? I just, yeah, again, like so many films we've seen recently, there was a more interesting story here and it's mm. not the one that we got. It's interesting you mentioned the, the edited clip of her comments in the Juilliard scene mm. mm-hmm. because we watched the film, we're in one take, we never see anybody filming her from multiple angles. 
That's a good point. So again, is that it's more her imagination or her grip on reality is, is coming? It's coming back she to her. She went to the board and the board. So you're saying she imagined the whole board meeting then as well? That, Everything that, was fake. <laughs> that's an interpretation that. Right. Eventually, at some point, her guilt comes back to her when she realizes that her actions have led to the suicide of this person she was involved with previously. And so then is she having like a mental episode where she's imagining, okay, what happens if everything else that I've done wrong comes back to bite me? Right. And this is how it might play out. That's an interpretation of how the dream sequence, quote unquote, could be um, playing out towards the end. You could also yeah. definitely interpret it as this is the true thing that happened to her and this is how she's reacting to it. So I don't think the film but is really. I... Yeah. I just, I feel like if that's what it's saying, then I don't know which bits are real and which bits are fake. And that might be the intention of the directors and writers. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what's real. We don't know quite what happened. But, like, I need to have some grounding element to this film because if I go, oh, it's all in her head, the whole movie was all in her head, I guess maybe it shouldn't devalue it for me, but it it does. Like, I just feel like they they were effing with me just for shits and giggles and I, I, I don't like being played as an audience member. I don't like being dragged through three hours of boringness for them to turn around and be like, well, you didn't get it. We were actually hinting at all these other things that you didn't pick up on. It's like, well, I, were you? Because it, it, it honestly didn't feel like you were hinting, you know? It felt like you didn't know what you were trying to say. I don't know. <laughs> Again, I'm just not smart enough to understand it. Just ignore me and all of my opinions this episode. Well, what about the, the Juilliard scene in particular where she's talking about cancel culture and the, the idea that these newer students don't want to mm-hmm. engage with the works of, of famous and influential composers because of you know they don't want to just listen to another old white guy and you know, potentially people in history viewed through a modern lens did some terrible things yes like she's got a point where she's saying you can't just not engage with the leading figures of the field you want to enter right but my, my, what I sort of got from that was, in her mind, she's like, you can put all that aside and just listen to the music, right? Yes. And so she takes that to her own personal life, but she's like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm a good composer. I'm good at music. I'm And that's what I'll be remembered, remembered yeah. by as well. Yeah. I thought that was a very interesting take on that story because... Yes, I did like that. Because often you might just get the first part where it's like, no, separate the art from the artist. But I like the complication in this story where it's like, separate the art from the artists, and by the way, do that to me too, because I'm terrible. <laughs> yeah, and through this I can be absolved of all of my sins and, you know, yeah, treat people like absolute shit and get away with it. And I, I thought it was interesting there too, because she's talking about like, you know, put aside the things that the person actually did, which we are viewing through history. Listen to the music and this bit. You see, he's asking a question, he's doing this. He's actually mm-hmm. asking more of you as an audience member. And mm-hmm. to me, as a, as a non-musical person, I was like, is he asking that? Or have we just put that <laughs> onto that scene, onto that piece of music because that fits your narrative, Lydia? Like, is you, yeah. it's very convenient. Everything works out the way you're saying it's working out, you know? 
It's, it's interesting. This might be the first movie we've had where I might have had more experience in the subject matter than you because um, I was in a band all through school. I used to play the flute. I play the piano now. And um, there is definitely musical theory where certain chords make you feel certain things. Mm. And if you arrange notes in a particular way, like an unresolved chord is a question because you're waiting for it to be resolved and have that finality and closure. So, yes, I think that was one of the examples of um, it tying in, similar to the right hand keeping time and that being the one that's injured, a way of tying in actual musical theory with how the narrative applies to her. Something I read about that in particular when she's talking about my left hand thing keeps it going. My right hand can stop time or whatever. It's like, yes, I'm in charge of everything in my life. Yes. I am in control. And then yeah. towards the end, if you notice at the video game orchestra, she's got the headphones on and that yes. apparently means they've got the metronome. They're all listening to the metronome together. And so she's not in charge anymore. She's literally just sort of a figurehead rather yeah. than being literally yeah. the person who is in control of the world or her world at the very least. That's interesting, yeah. Mm. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So yeah, yeah, I think... Well, did we actually have much music? Like, we we have things around the music, don't we? Yeah, that is one of the mm. criticisms I'm reading here is that um, the absence of style in filming the music, Richard Brody from The New Yorker said that. Mm. Yeah, I never felt sort of um, caught up or swept away in what it's like to conduct. Like, there was that... that Nice shot, which is in the trailer where it's on her, where this massive sound comes out and then stops immediately as soon as she mm. stops conducting. But there, there wasn't a lot of glamour or interest in filming an orchestra in an interesting way. It was just, mm. here's the close-ups on the key players and let's just let that play out, I guess, you know? Yeah, well, that's something that, yeah, that could have been an element that could have been explored further. Um mm. I think I liked it. Well, I thought it was interesting. The whole idea is, you know, separate the art from the artist and um, not focus on their personal life. And literally there's a point where they're doing blind auditions, right? Mm. A very, like, literal separate the art from the artist, listen yes. just to their music, not to the, yes. looking at them as a person. But she's twigged that it's the hot girl that she's going to be. She can tell, <laughs> yeah. Because she's that clever. She's too clever. 
Yes. Well, yeah, see, that's an interpretation as well. Did she does she know her style because she's infatuated with her or does she know her style because that's how the piece should sound and she's really talented and that's well, she's the one the shoes that makes too, right? sense. See, I thought they were all recordings. No, I thought there were people there. Yeah. Oh, so that's what the shoes were. Yeah. See, I thought the shoes was another metronome egg cracking thing that never got explored. I oh, thought no. that was her what's her name? Sarah? Krista. Hmm. I thought that was the ghost of her still being in the room. I didn't realise that was real. See? How can I tell what's going on if there's no signposting or well, explanation? She told us she was little... in the toilet and then she saw him walking off stage and then she changed her, her scores after she's noticed it was the girl. So <sighs> Maybe I just, yeah, well, didn't Well, here's another attention. question for you, Sinead, if you're mm-hmm. not sure what reality is. Do you think that she was actually taught by Bernstein? Um, I haven't put my mind to it, to be honest. Well, the theories I was reading online were she goes on about how she was taught, like she was one of his star pupils or whatever, right? Then when she returns home, we find that she's got like a whole cupboard full of um, of his TV show, like, and she was learning potentially oh, that's just right. watching yes, the tapes. Yes. Yeah. So she never actually knew him in person, but she feels like she knew Lenny because she watched those tapes so much. Yeah, and, I think that's fair enough to say that, no, she wasn't. Yeah, and that that's sort of also linked in the fact that um, there were so the awards on the, on the wall were saying that she, her name was Linda Tarr, and so she's created and crafted her own. Lydia. Yeah. yeah. And, she's and she goes the, home. And she's changed the Tarr to be, that was T-A-R-R. She's made it more interesting with the was it amulet over the A? No, it's just an accent, I think. Just an accent. Just okay, yeah. just to make um, yourself seem more impressive, yeah. Yeah, umlau, I think is what you're thinking of, umlau, which is sorry. the two dots in German. Um listen, the more we talk about this, the more I think I'm just really stupid and didn't get it, to be honest. And I'll link some of these articles in the show notes if you all want to read about what you saw mm-hmm. to try and make sense of it. Can I talk about the one thing I did love though, which was her wife, Nina Hoss plays her. Mm. For me, she's the absolute standout of the movie. Like I didn't really care for Kate Blanchett's performance. I thought we'd seen that, been there, done that. Like yeah. she's fine, but Nina was incredible. And there's that sequence where she's first violin, right? So she, you're supposed to follow her to lead the, um, you know, piece of music that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And there's that beautiful scene where she just looks over and follows Lydia's gaze to the new girl. Yeah, she's And there's this out. lovely moment on her face, yeah, similar to Megan Fahey's face in White Lotus where she sees what's happening, understands it. Mm. packs it away, has to keep playing. That for me was a really beautiful moment and um, she's really great. She's been in so many things, by the way. She's a German actress and she's mm-hmm. been in like everything. <laughs> like she was in Homeland for a bit. She was in, um, what's that movie with um, Most Wanted Men, speaking of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Last movie, yeah. yeah. She was incredible. Did she stand out for you or was that just... No, absolutely, she did, and and so did the assistant, 
who yes the, the current gets assistant. overlooked yeah yeah and yeah. she kind of leads the downfall that's uh Naomi Milan. No, she was yeah. in Portrait of Lady on Fire the last film I saw in cinema before COVID hits you know yes you and Erica saw that didn't Me you and Erica yeah we love our lesbian dramas <laughs> about to say it and I was like are you gonna backtrack or not you went for it yeah I never got around to it um just because it seems like such a downer and I was not in the right headspace at that moment it's interesting to me that you're I'm not an ally is that what you're implying (laughs) we're joking guys obviously um yeah she was phenomenal as well and there's that also that beautiful moment where it's like I want you to hold open auditions Mm. of course you're welcome to apply too all right. Like, oh, gee, thank you so much. Wow, for this honour. <laughs> yeah. Um, another, another interesting bit when um, Lydia's talking to her um, predecessor slash mentor, um, Andrus Davis, and she brings up mm-hmm. something about, like, allegations and things, and he, he, like, immediately says, I'm retired, though, so it doesn't matter to me. It's like, oh, okay, dude, what are you hiding? What, what's going on here? Why are yeah, you straight away saying... Yeah, but, you know, once you retire, it doesn't matter anymore, which is kind of also what she was saying. Well, that's, yes, about the artist thing and about (laughs) as long as you do, as long as you have this legacy and you're in a perfect, like, produce creative work, you're allowed to be as awful as you can. Actually reminds me of, um, is it David Russell? David O. Russell, yeah. David O. Russell. Yeah, all those conversations recently about he seems to be an awful person by all you know, accounts yeah, and still allegations movies. and yet he's still making movies and he makes good movies as tough as that is to mm. admit, you know, he does. He really does. Is. I remember listening back, you know, back when our podcast, I think it was when uh, Casey Affleck was up for best actor for Manchester yes. by the sea, which mm-hmm. is a heartbreaking performance in a, in a heartbreaking movie. Yeah. And I think in some ways deserved the best um, actor Oscar that year. Yeah, and we were like, oh, you know, it's it's best, it's the best actor, not best person award, which I think mm. part of that's true, but also like, if we're giving awards to people or letting them continue to work in these quite prestigious fields, we are kind of saying you're a good person, aren't we? Or at least we're not going to yeah. care about the bad things you've done as long as you keep giving us the art or the movies or whatever it is that you're particularly doing. I've been thinking about that a lot, yeah, in relation to the Wizard game that's coming out recently, Mm. which I'm not going to talk about too much because Mm. I don't think it's worth getting into all that here. But again, it's the same thing of, well, if it's something that I personally like and that, you know, brings me joy, why shouldn't I be able to enjoy that? I think that's a very selfish perspective. But also I was thinking in terms of... um, workplace relationships that if we don't say anything we're condoning it yeah you know there's that thing that if you know if you don't speak up you're just as bad as the bully Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's quiet um what's what am I trying to say like quiet approval almost approval yeah quiet quiet um you're condoning it by not stopping it sort of thing. Yeah, and by doing that, you're aligning yourself with those people. Like mm, I think at power. some point we have to think about 
if we let people who are awful people become filmmakers, we are saying that that's okay then, as long as they produce great work. You know, it's all worth it in the end. It's yeah. all worth it to send dead rats to people's trailers if you can make an amazing Joker performance. You know, it's okay if you can treat all your co-stars like absolute ass, like an absolute asshole. If you get them to cry and you get them into that emotional moment of that scene. No. And I think the well, field of acting and filmmaking has been so unregulated for so long and the process of it is so weird and different for each actor and each movie and how to get each shot. It's all based on manipulation, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to bring in those um, parameters now is is really tricky to retroactively fit to that. And I think that's what Lydia is experiencing in the film is like, She's the ends justify the means to her. Yeah, and as you said there, not only is it sometimes condoning that behavior, behavior, a dodgy behavior, because there's good work happening. I think sometimes it goes to the point of no, you have to be an asshole to do good work. Yes, that's kind of the natural yeah. next step, isn't it? And that's interesting in terms of like method acting that we've spoken about a lot. And Rob Pattinson has that amazing <laughs> quote, right? That's like, why do you always see people doing method acting when it's a, a bad role? You never see them having a fun time being a method actor. You never yeah. see it like in a rom-com, they're going method for a few months. Yeah. I mean, it's because, well, it's because of this tortured artist mentality, right? Like Vincent, we saw the Van Gogh ex- exhibition mm-hmm. in Sydney and there was that, right? Like was he so brilliant because of his mental health struggles or... Was he brilliant in spite of his mental health struggles? Yeah. Um, I mentioned that to Dylan once, the whole thing about you don't have to be a method actor to be a good person for a nice nice role, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, well, hopefully people don't have to, have to try really hard to be nice. Well, yeah, yeah, that's probably a good point. <laughs> you have, maybe have yeah, to, you do have to try hard to be play a murderer or something. But but still, it, yeah. it is right. You do have to. It, why do they always sort of get a free pass for being weirdos to do a an intense role because it's intense as opposed mm. to somebody who maybe could do any role. Yeah. Who was it? Was it Dustin Hoffman? Al Pacino? Someone said, I just, I just pretend. I just act. That quote that you. Well, somebody said that to Dustin Hoffman. I think it was Lawrence Olivier said it to Dustin Hoffman. That's it. Yeah. He was doing a scene where he was exhausted or something. And so he ran like five miles That's just right. before it. They, they said action. Action. And he mm-hmm. said, why don't you just act? I'm acting. <laughs> Works well for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's so complicated, isn't it? Academy Awards coming up. This film received six nominations. I maintain it might win Best Picture. You think it'll win Best Picture? It's, it's possible. Uh, really? That I'm makes not me saying very... I think this is what I want to happen, Sinead. I think it might happen. I know. I just I really don't want that to happen. <laughs> Um, yeah, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Actress, Cinematography and Editing. I mean, Editing, sure, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe this movie just wasn't for me. I, I think whatever it was trying to say, I didn't hear. You know? Mm-hmm. That's okay. You don't have to... Not every movie is made for me. Every single person, yeah. No, that's totally fine. But it is interesting that people have had really polarising views of the film. People seem to either really like it or really not like it. Well, do you think some people saying it's 
misogynist, at least her character is. I mean, sorry, misogynist hates women. What do you reckon? I don't know. <laughs> I might need to. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to think about that for a bit longer rather than giving it. theory of the uh, one. Um, yeah. One thing I think I remembered from before we're talking about her character and how she's like um, put aside her personal life because she's making such great music so she can still get a free pass so she's given herself that moral license to sort of be immoral um, yes. outside of that. I wonder if there's an element here too because she's a female who's got to the very top of a male-dominated industry, as in mm -hmm. every industry, so most industries mm -hmm. at least, that, you know, she had to be a bitch or she had to be awful to get ahead. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I think, it? and so like, there's some internalised hatred going on there too, potentially mm -hmm. for her character. But also I wonder then, like, you know, people who have to strive so long to get to the very top of their game, to be the elites, they kind of feel like they deserve some of the spoils once they get up there. And that's potentially what she's been doing with the the long-running um, many, many people she's being abused, abused as in her scholarship. What do you reckon? Yeah, that's interesting. It's I had to play the game in order to get here. Mm. I had to adhere to all these things, so why shouldn't everybody else? And now that I've worked this hard. Yeah, why not? I deserve to be rewarded for this. Mm. Yeah. Very selfish way of looking at things, but a logical way, I guess. I can understand how mm. she could have thought that. Sure. And you don't necessarily become the world's best composer by being selfless. Hey? Yeah, well, this is the, the thing, you know, anything. the people who are rich in the world at the moment aren't there because they're empathetic and mm. charitable and, you know, are good people necessarily. Mm. People who get rewarded for things aren't necessarily the people who deserve them. No. So... Yeah, I think you're right. I think this movie asks a lot of interesting questions. We've had a really interesting discussion today on the pod mm. and a lot of the articles I've read have been, yeah, really elucidating, but I just don't feel, I didn't feel an emotional connection to the film, I think, yeah. or what it was trying to say. One thing I'll say too, mm. Mark Strong, <laughs> he shouldn't have hair. You're so... Listen, it all started for you. Oh, no, wait, I'm getting it confused, aren't I? I'm getting it confused about Rylance, aren't I? Yes. Yes, I am. Okay, good. What's my Mark Rylance thing? Your Mark Rylance thing is that he can never, he always has to have like prosthetics or a bad wig or has to have a weird accent or like some sort of affectation he, he, to his character. He's definitely pushing that, isn't he, Mark Rylance? He's like, okay, I've won the Oscar. What can I yeah. do here? I think you've you've brought it up in um don't look up because that was a shocking performance in that mm. but um yes sorry now that I've realigned who we're talking about yes Mark Strong yeah weird to see him with hair needs to have no hair but I think it kind of worked for his character because you like put off sure. the whole time looking at him like yeah, that's not right something's off about this yeah. guy yeah good guy though Mark Strong from all accounts yeah he's been on great actor a bajillion movies mm -hmm. seems great <laughs> okay rating time Sine. Uh, we should do what Mr Sunday and Meso do on Wicked Planet mm. they mm. just say best movie or worst movie because <laughs> 
and then it's so polarized, you know? Yeah. Why do we do this to ourselves every time? I don't know. And again, am I reading it on how I experience the movie, like my personal experience of the movie or the value that I think other people would get from it? Is it according to my own scale or is it according to an objective scale of whether this movie is objectively good? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know what you mean. So I'm not really am sure. I overthinking this? You could just give us a number. Yeah, I could just give you a number. <sighs> One and a half. Wow. I didn't like it. I'm sorry. You hate our Kate. I don't hate our Kate. I am getting a bit over our Kate. Wow. And the fact that she seems to be very similar in lots of movies. Do you reckon she'll win Best Actress? Well, who's she up against? Let's have a quick look. Let's have a little preview for little, our... A little sidetrack, everybody. We have... Anna de Armas. Surely the blonde, not. surely not. Andrea Riseborough might steal it if they're unconventional, mm. <laughs> illegal methods. <laughs> Michelle Williams and Michelle Michelle Yao has yeah, to win. Yeah, Michelle. Come on, surely. she's she's got one of those classic things where she's owed one for her career. Yeah. <laughs> if she doesn't win that, I'll riot. I, I think I'll be I think out the in whole, the streets. Yeah, everybody will. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe they should have good security guards on the uh, on the building that night because I feel like <laughs> <laughs> some shit might go down if she doesn't yeah, win that. <laughs> absolutely. What are you rating it? She's had enough awards. You know we all know she's good. She's solid. Like <laughs> we get it. You know, you're great. <laughs> what are you gonna rate it, Lum? I'm gonna rate it three stars. Any reasoning you'd like to attach to that, or no? <laughs> Are you happy to let your score speak for itself, unlike some people? Or? <laughs> no, I think I just had the experience of watching it. Um, it wasn't like the easiest watch and almost compelling watch, but it was going into a lot of um, compelling, interesting um, themes and our discussions and discussions around it have been enjoyable. But is that the film, though? Well, asked a lot of questions, you know. But it never answered any. We've answered it here on the podcast. So I don't mind. I don't mind if a film asks questions. I just don't want it to fall down the lost mm. trap hole where you just keep raising questions and never answer them, and everyone's like, "Oh, guess we'll never know. Guess there's polar bears here for some reason. Guess there's dinosaurs. Why? Don't worry about it. It's cool. Why were the people lurking in the back of shots? Was that her mind? Was it a dream? Don't worry about it. It would have been nicer to have some." closure in some of those elements just some clarity of mm. what we would just something i don't need to be spoon-fed i don't need title cards of this is a dream sequence now we're back to reality i just need something to ground my experience yeah. all right then well that's been us <laughs> in the podcast um we've done previous films in the past on the podcast this isn't our first. So just in general, I thought you were gonna be like, oh, of Kate Blanchett or someone, but no, just we some. have we have done movies before. Yeah, yep, you can yeah. probably get amongst them if you want to on your podcast app. Mm -hmm. You can follow along on Twitter and anything else. I know you want to say. Um, yeah, sorry, I guess. Um, yeah. 
That's a... Okay. That's a... On that downer, we'll say goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.